God is with you. Let us pray. God of the dirtied hands, the wandering feet, you seek out the lost before ever they turn to you. Take us with you into the abandoned places to find a new community outside our fortress walls. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. This week, California got a peek into the future. It was a glimpse at Golden State climate change to come. A massive heat wave maxed out the power grid, killed plants, and taxed the sanity of even the deepest sleepers. But I wouldn't know. It just so happened that I was out of the state on my first spiritual retreat in over 10 years. I went to Iona Abbey in Scotland, where it was cold, windy, and rainy, which was fantastic. Iona is a tiny island off the coast of another island off the coast of Scotland. In the year 563 of the Common Era, the man who would become St. Columba left Ireland with 12 followers and settled on Iona to start a new monastic community. There, the arts and trade and politics all thrived, so much so that uh, shortly after, it became the burial place of 48 kings from Scotland, Ireland, England, France, and Norway, including Macbeth and his victim, Duncan. The island is only one mile wide by three miles long. It's separated from the nearest larger island, the island of Mull, by a channel that is a mere four-minute ferry ride. But Iona is unlike any island in the area. Across the channel, where you get the ferry to Iona, there is pink granite that's 420 million years old, which is very, very old. But on Iona, the rock is 2 billion years old. To put that in perspective, the rock is so old that there are no fossils on Iona. The rock predates the evolution of complex life on Earth. Iona's niece and marble are gorgeous. The niece, or nice as some people say, is pink and gray, and the marble is white with streaks of green. They make the topography of the island large rolling hills and beaches with beautiful white sand. Because it rains constantly, the island is naturally covered with soft grass, which is perfect for both barefoot hippies like me and the sheep that form the primary livelihood of the island's inhabitants. There are sheep everywhere. 
Scotland has what's called the right to roam, which basically means you can walk anywhere you want. The sheep fences all have gates and stiles so that walkers can pass through. So you can walk right through a pasture covered with sheep and no one cares. No one cares except the sheep. On my first evening on Iona, we had a break between chapel prayers and dinner. So I went off for a saunter to explore the island. Cue like the intro to Sound of Music. It had been raining hard when I arrived, but there was a quick pause in the rain, and I was getting my first taste of this right to roam and thoroughly enjoying crossing fences into rolling pastures filled with fluffy sheep. At the abbey, they ring the bells ten minutes before any group activity, and as I heard the bells for dinner, I was much farther than ten minutes away, so I started jogging. The sheep are unaccustomed to jogging. So every flock I jogged past sprinted away from me. As I momentarily spooked the sheep, I noticed how they all fled together. They are flock animals. They have evolved to respond with flight at the response of the presence of an enemy. If a sheep has been separated from the flock, something traumatic has happened. Maybe a strange guy has split them apart as he jogged past, or maybe a predator has attacked. Sheep separated from the flock are in danger. Something has gone wrong. This pastoral knowledge was deeply embedded in Jesus' culture. Everyone listening to Jesus' parable in the gospel today knew the implications of a lost sheep. They knew it was not just an economic threat to the shepherd, but evidence of trauma. Today, on this September 11th, trauma colors my memory. I think of those who died in the World Trade Center on United Flight 93 and at the Pentagon, all the sheep lost in the attacks. I think of particularly people I knew, like my friend Deej Cessna, who graduated from Vanderbilt with me months before and had just started his first job, which is at Sandler O'Neill on the 104th floor of the South Tower. Deej was the last person I talked to on the night of graduation. He was in a fraternity for whom my band had played often, and he was part of a large group of my friends who had been close since freshman year. Everyone but me had joined this fraternity, but it wasn't really my thing. On that last night of undergrad, Deej told me about his new job in New York City, and he turned to me, put his arm on my shoulder, and told me that even though I wasn't officially in their fraternity, he and the other guys considered me their brother. Again, I'm not a huge fan of fraternities, but I knew what he was saying. He was saying that he loved me in his own way. 
we talked a few more minutes, mostly about Dr. Tillotsuit's the Bloody Mary mix that he and his brothers and his dad had designed and started marketing and producing. And then I left to sleep one last night before leaving undergraduate life behind. Months later, Deej was the human face behind the numbers of lost sheep whose lives were ended in an act of violence that changed human history. Jesus tells these parables today of the lost sheep and the lost coin in response to judgment. People see Jesus hanging out with a bad crowd and they don't like it. These religious authorities objectify the bad crowd around Jesus. As a Texas priest friend of mine, Steve Kenny says, they whatify them. They take a who and turn them into a what. In the wake of 9-11, people like Deej were whatified. They became excuses for warfare and violence that continues to this day. Jesus is having none of it. Through his analogies, Jesus reminds us all that those who are lost in the eyes of judgmental religious folks are special and important. Yes, there are 99 other sheep, but the lost one is a victim of trauma. The lost one is a who, not a what. At the risk of sounding like Dr. Seuss, every who matters. Each and every child of God is an important part of the flock. Here, in a nation divided by judgment, in an era defined by destruction, both political and environmental, Jesus is calling us to set aside resentment and rejoice. Rejoice is what Jesus calls in this passage. Rejoice for those who have been found. Rejoice for people like Jerry Taylor, former climate change skeptic who was funded by oil and gas companies, who is now an advocate for climate science. Rejoice for John Newton, the former slave trader who went on to pen Amazing Grace, which we will sing in a moment. Rejoice for those living one day at a time in recovery for all forms of addiction. Rejoice for all of us who have been imprisoned by judgment but liberated by love. Rejoice for each and every child of God who knows how it feels to be lost and how it feels to be found. We are all sheep strolling the hills of eternity together. Amen.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.